All right, everybody, wrap up those conversations. Thanks for coming, y'all. Man, welcome to Salt Company in our new home, Lorch 140. All right, I am pumped to be here. Hey, I've got one question as we start this thing. Who's got it better than us? Freaking national champions, let's go! You guys, I have been riding that high since Monday, y'all. Nobody's got it freaking better than us. We're salt company. We've got a savior and a destiny. And now national champs on top of that. Oh my word, you guys, I'm peaking. This is it. I Chick-fil-A tonight. It does not get better than this, okay? I'm telling you, no one's got it better than salt company in Arbor, all right? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, how many of you guys, uh, how many of you guys are New Year's resolution people? Anybody New Year's resolutions? Not so much. You guys are stressed enough without them. I'm a big New Year's resolution person. I love them. I've got like reading goals, book goals. Where are my Goodreads people at? Anybody else? There we go. We can connect. That's like a deep track nerd moment if you're lost with that. But I've got book goals, gym goals, things like that. Uh, I'll tell you, here's a few ones uh, that I've stopped making as New Year's resolutions. Any New Year's resolutions that has to do with getting like bigger or bigger, just, no, just done. I, at this point, have accepted who I am. It's just not going to be me. What you see is what you get forever and always. So my wife thinks I'm smoking. So that's all that matters. Uh, anything about like uh, making a lot of money or retiring early, just, you know what, did not go into the right profession for that working for a church. Also wouldn't run or retire because this is awesome. So those, those are just out the windows. And listen, hey, you might not be a New Year's resolution person, but I would imagine that there are still probably some things you want to change about your life, okay? And even if you are a New Year's resolution person, I bet that there's some things that you didn't post on social media, okay? Because it's not actually that compelling to admit that your real New Year's goal this year is not to feel lonely this school year. And it doesn't exactly look great on a social media post to admit that your actual goal for this year is for this year to be the first year you don't feel insecure about the way you look in the mirror. Okay, all of us, whether we're New Year's resolution people or not, we have some things deep inside of us and our lives that we want changed. We wish were different. In fact, here's the thing. Maybe some of you even came here tonight because this is your New Year's resolution. Maybe you're like, hey, whatever I was up to last semester didn't do it for me. I'm done with the college life. It wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. Like, maybe God is the answer. And maybe you came here tonight looking to be a different type of person. Maybe you thought you had your whole life figured out, you know, who you're going to marry, what job you were going to have. And all of a sudden, that relationship ended or that rejection letter came. And now you feel like you're just spinning your wheels going nowhere. Every single one of us has something to change, not just on the surface level, but at the very core of who we are. And I just want to say, you are welcome here. Actually, Christianity's message and the entire message of the Bible is incredibly hopeful to people like you and me who want deep parts of their lives changed. That's actually something the Bible holds out as hope for you. And tonight, I want to tell you a story about a man named Bartimaeus. All right, it's a story in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 10. And the book of Mark, it's just one of the biographies of Jesus's life. It tells a story about him. And Bartimaeus is a lot like you. 
Okay, anything you might hope for your life, he was hoping for his, and anything that you would want to be different in yours, he definitely wanted to be different in his. But the difference between us and Bartimaeus is that he got to interact with the real life, flesh and blood, Jesus. And the good thing about this story is that how Jesus interacts with this man, man shows us how Jesus wants to interact with us. So what does Jesus do with people like you and me who want to be different, who want to be changed? What does Jesus hold out to us? Read with me, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says this, it says, And they, Jesus and his disciples, they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Okay, so what's going on here? First, Jesus and his disciples are like, come to Jericho, then they leave Jericho. They're walking down the road. There's crowds, there's cheering. Like Jesus and his guys are heroes right now, okay? This is the football team coming back from Houston on Monday. Like people cheering, applauding, they're loving it. All right, they are walking around. The crowd is pressing in. And then we get introduced to Bartimaeus. And what did it say about him? It said that he was a blind beggar, a blind beggar. Okay, and in our society today, you guys, that is incredibly sad. We would say that somebody who's in that condition, a homeless person begging for their existence who is also blind, we would say that that person is suffering immensely. But back then in this day, it is still infinitely worse. Okay, because someone in his condition with his social status, he wasn't merely disabled. He was discarded from society and disregarded as a human being. They would have viewed him as lower than the low, not worthy of being invited over, not even worthy as being a part of their society. That's why he was outcasted. Okay, and Bartimaeus, his outlook on life, it was bleak and it was hopeless. And specifically, here are like some, some problems he was facing. I think there's four like pretty presenting problems in his life that he would have felt deeper. The first one is obvious. It was a physical problem. He had a physical problem. He was blind, okay? And maybe he was born blind. Likely, if you do some research, he wasn't. He lost it later. And so he like knew the life he was missing out on. He like had position, honor, status in society, whatever, and lost it later. So he had a physical problem. He had an acceptance problem, or you could also say a belonging problem. Like to be a beggar was already a bad thing. But to be a blind beggar on top of that would have destroyed any hope he ever would have had of functioning normally in society or belonging anywhere. And in fact, the reason that he was a beggar was most likely because his family refused to provide for him. So he was out on his own, rejected by his family and friends who wouldn't take care of them himself. He didn't belong anywhere. He was accepted nowhere. Third problem he had was an identity problem. Okay, back then, being a beggar, it wasn't what you did. It was who you were. Okay, it was much more than just your, like, activity. He actually, beggars in that time, would have had to go to the government, register yourself as a beggar. They, like, dub you that. They name you that. And they would give you this, like, cloak to keep you warm at night. And it was a cloak that symbolized to the rest of the world, this person is useless, They're the lowest caste, all right? You can give them money if you want, but like it gave him the right to beg for money because it was a label on his life. He actually had to do that. And if that wasn't enough, he had his name, all right? His name is Bartimaeus and literally that means son of Timaeus. But what does Timaeus mean? It means honor. 
highly prized or esteemed. His name literally meant somebody who should be of high honor, who should inherit a good name. And so every time he would have introduced himself to someone, it would have been the great irony of his life that the son of honor is now a shameful beggar. Here's his last problem though. His last problem was a spiritual problem. All right, and here was maybe the worst thing about the condition that he was in is that everyone in that society back then, including himself, would have believed that the reason he was blind was because he was under the judgment of God for some heinous sin that he had committed. And so every day as people walked past him and looked at him as a beggar, maybe like realized he was blind, whatever, they would have thought to themselves or maybe whispered to one another, I wonder what he did. I wonder what heinous act he committed to deserve this punishment from God. Okay, he, they thought that his physical condition was a result of his spiritual rebellion. Okay, and if it's not obvious, I just want you guys to know that is not how it works. All right, there is absolutely nothing in the Bible. There's nothing in the Old Testament. There is nothing of the Lord that would lead any of us to believe that the reason that people phys- physically suffer is because the judgment of God rests on their life. I want to cast that out. Okay, that was not true at all. And yet, at the same time, his physical blindness actually enabled him to see his spiritual condition more clearly than anybody else. You see, he was blind and no, his being sick wasn't like a result of him being like sinful. However, he wasn't perfect. And he knew he wasn't innocent and none of us are either. And neither was anybody walking around him. Neither was the good people who hadn't been inflicted with pain and suffering. He was just the only one that was able to see himself clearly. He was able to know that like, hey, I know I'm not perfect. Something is separating me from God. And so he would have believed that, man, if I can just get right with God, if I can get my spiritual condition figured out, if I can get under, out from under the wrath and judgment of God, if I can connect with my savior once again, then who cares about the rest of the stuff? I will be okay. The only problem with that thinking though is how is that possible? How can you possibly solve such a big problem in your life that results in you getting right with the creator, God? So he was right. If he could solve his spiritual problem, he would be good to go. But what kind of New Year's resolutions, what kind of new habits do you add to your life to solve the deepest parts of who you are? Okay, and we may not be blind and we may not be beggars, but the problems he had echo in our own lives, do they not? There's actually a lot of me that looks at him and I might not be suffering physically like him, but what's going on in my heart would have been true. We have physical problems. Some of us are injured. I saw Brennan hobbling around earlier like an old man. He's literally 21 and on his third knee surgery. So some of us have physical conditions. Sorry, dude, I'm short, so maybe we can, whatever. Some of us has physical conditions, all right? Some of us have injuries and sickness that plague us. We want physical healing. I would imagine a lot, a lot of us feel like we also have problems of acceptance or belonging. You've been at this university for a number of semesters now. Maybe you've been coming to Salt for a while and people know your name, but nobody knows the real you. You're wondering, hey, where's my spot at in this room? Where's my spot at with my friends? You leave rooms wondering what your friends say to you. You don't feel like you have anywhere to belong. We have belonging and acceptance 
problems. We have identity problems like he did. We all wrestle with questions of identity. Who am I? Am I enough? Am I living up to my parents' expectations or even the expectations I have for myself? Like, am I making something of myself? Has my time at Michigan actually done enough to validate me as a person? We have questions of identity. And like he did, we have spiritual problems too. Some of you came here trying to solve a spiritual problem in your life. Maybe you came here because once and for all this semester, you are going to figure out who God is and where you stand with him. That is great if you are there. But I'm telling you, all of us, before we come to know Jesus, we have a spiritual problem. We have foregone our home in heaven. We have rebelled against the God and we don't even know him anymore. And yet he wants to call us sons and daughters. And some of us haven't acknowledged him our entire lives. We have the same problems. And so what do we do when we can't solve those things? What do we do when there's no atomic habit or new routine you can add into your life? No new year's resolution that makes up for the deepest parts of who we are. Look at what Bartimaeus did. Verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He begins to cry out. And literally the word there in the original language literally means to shriek or to scream for Jesus. And what did he call Jesus? He called him the son of of David. All right. He knew what he was doing. The son of David, that's actually a proper noun. It's a term used in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah. The son of David was meant to be the one sent by God to save the world, to heal people. And Bartimaeus was convinced that Jesus was that Messiah. Okay. And to call somebody this, absolutely unthinkable. To actually dub somebody as like, hey, this is legitimately the dude that I think God sent to save the world. That is unimaginable to do that to anybody unless you believe with all that you are that you think it's true. And so he did it for Bartimaeus. He had heard the stories of Jesus. He'd heard the stories of the lame coming like to walk again. The stories of dead people coming back to life. The stories of the miracles. And for Bartimaeus, yes, even stories of blind people getting their sight back. He had heard the stories and he had heard all that he, need to, all that he needed to know to know that Jesus was in fact him. And he was thinking to himself, man, if those stories are true, if even half the things I've heard about Jesus, if he's true to those things, and this man surely is the savior and he can save me too. Don't miss this. Bartimaeus didn't go to Jesus to see if the stories were true. He went to Jesus to be healed. Bartimaeus didn't go for Jesus to make him prove all the answers. Bartimaeus went to Jesus the only way I know how, broken, messed up, and casting myself on Jesus to save me. Bartimaeus didn't care about the answers. He didn't ask him his theology. All he knew was that there was things messed up in his life and other people that had gone to Jesus before had found healing for those things. And he says, Jesus, I'm all yours. And he shrieks and he calls out. And other people, when they're trying to silence him, other people, when they're trying to stop him, he didn't let anything get in his way because all he knew was that people who get close to Jesus get healed. And he wanted in on it. That's what it looks like to come to Jesus. And look how Jesus responds. Verse 49. And 
Jesus stopped. And he said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. He stopped. Jesus, the one sent from God, the one that the entire crowd was gathered around, the one who had done the miracles, everybody was screaming his name. And yet when the lowliest of lows called his name, he halted all of heaven to look him in the eyes. You guys, that's how Jesus responds to people when we come to him in need. He halts everything. Have you ever thought of God like that? Have you ever actually dared to believe that when you come to Jesus, that in that moment, heaven halts so we can look you in your eye? I'm telling you, that's what Jesus is like. And look at his confidence. When Jesus stops, when Jesus calls him, look what he does. Verse 50, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and ran to Jesus. Okay, it's like he already got his sight back. I don't know how he knew where he was going. He was still blind, but he's like, I don't know. Like Jesus is calling me, I'm running. It's an amazing moment, but catch this. What did he do? He threw off his cloak. Here's the significance of that. When Jesus called his name, he knew that the thing that identified him the most before, he wouldn't need it anymore. He knew that if he was going to Jesus, the thing that made him a beggar, the thing that was most definitional of his life, the chains that were keeping him down was a dirty rag compared to what he was going to get. There was no doubt in his mind he could leave it there because he was going to Jesus. You guys, I'm telling you, that's how we need to run to Jesus. Your greatest job in 2024 is not to prove to God how much you love him, but to believe that you have a great need for him and let Jesus love you. All right, when he threw it off, he was saying, I'm done with my old way of life. This little thing that gives me security, identity, this thing I'm holding on to, I'm done with it. He came to Jesus desperate to be healed and with empty hands and Jesus was good good for it. Guys, here's the thing. Many of you, if you're in this space, you're probably at least semi-curious about Jesus. Maybe you're like, no, dude, literally just here for the Chick-fil-A. That's fine. All right, you can do that. But I would imagine that most of the room have just a little inkling of wondering why we gather like this. Why do we clap our hands? Why do we sing so loud? Why does this room exist? And I'm telling you, if you treat Jesus like an intellectual concept, you will be like Bartimaeus before he got healed. You will see the crowds, You will hear the stories, but you will still be blind. But if you come to Jesus for who he is, the savior that can heal, if you run to him, if you say no to every voice in your life that is trying to stop you, if you say no to every commitment on your calendar that's trying to hold you back, if you say no to everything and shirk off all of that and say, Jesus, I don't know all the answers, but I know I'm broken and I've heard you heal. I'm telling you, that is the type of person that Jesus loves to interact with. He will halt all of heaven to heal you in that place. Look what he says. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Okay, Bartimaeus saw in his life what we need to see in our own that he didn't just need healing, he needed Jesus. He didn't just need his circumstances to change a little bit. He needed to be right with God. 
He didn't just need a change of scenery or a new relationship. He needed Jesus Christ himself, and he was willing to give up everything else to get to Jesus. How do we know that Jesus will respond the same way to us that he responded to Bartimaeus? How do we know? Because Bartimaeus, great. He was by the side of the road. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus was just like walking on the diag? We're like, Jesus, Jesus, it's me. That'd be sweet. How do we know though that Jesus will respond to us the same way he responds to Bartimaeus? Listen, we know that God is willing to halt heaven and heal you because just weeks after healing Bartimaeus and all of his problems, Jesus went to the cross to deal with yours as well. Look at what Romans 5 verse 6 says. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. But God shows his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. When we were weak, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, that's when Jesus came. You see, when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see someone that's put together and he doesn't look at your resume. He sees you like Bartimaeus, a blind beggar in need of radical restoration. And here's the thing, unless you see yourself like that before a holy God, you will never throw off your beggar's cloak and run to Jesus. You will hold on to that thing as if it can give you security and identity and it simply cannot. You have to let go of those things to go to Jesus. Because here's why you do that. It's because on the cross, every single problem you faced, Jesus took it on for himself. He had physical pain. It was excruciating on the cross. His death, he died, was bloody and gory. He knows what physical pain you're feeling. He had a belonging problems. His father in heaven turned his back on him so that he could turn his face towards you and welcome you into the family. Jesus lost his belonging so you could have yours. Jesus had identity problems on the cross. Jesus became everything that you hate about yourself and the embodiment of all of your failures. And he put that on the cross and left it in the grave. So now that your identity is a loved son and daughter of God. And Jesus had spiritual problems. He took your sin and he took anything else that would keep you from God and he buried it in the grave. I'm telling you, the cross is where you can hang your beggar's cloak. You don't need it anymore. But the type of people that can come and experience the benefits of the cross or the type of people that say, Jesus, I don't care what other people are saying. I don't care what my schedule is. I'm going to you. You guys, what do you want to mark 2024? What do you want this year to be about? I'm telling you, this year can be the year where you experience the height and the depth and the love and the width of Jesus Christ's love for you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I need that. And I don't want anything else. I trust you to give it that. This room is full of people who have done that. This room is about to be filled with praises and shouts and smiles and claps of people who Jesus has done that for him. And every single one of you, no matter what you did last weekend, no matter what you did over break, no matter what type of house you grew up in, you can get in on it. 
because you have a savior who halts all of heaven to heal you where you're at. That's who Jesus is. And that's why we worship him. Will you pray with me?